I, uh, I actually live, uh, as we talk about mountains and mountains move, um, I, I live on top of the highest mountain in the world. True story. Um, God, about 18 months ago, moved our family to Hawaii. And um, if you, now some of you are ready to argue because you're statisticians and you know that Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world. And if you go from sea level, it is. But if you go from ocean floor, uh, the mountains of Hawaii actually rise all the way up to 33,000 feet, 4,000 feet taller than Mount Everest. Of course, I guess you'd have to be at the top of the mountain and we live down on the coast. So I guess I don't live on top, top, but, um, but the... Hey, we, we living there, um, beautiful place, amazing, but uh, when, when we start looking at the reality of living on the top of a mountain, living with mountains in our life, I want to tell you that as tall as Mount Everest is, we lived in Bihar, and sometimes when we fly from New Delhi over to our home in, uh, in northern India, you, you could actually look out and see Mount Everest just huge huge and the Annapurna range, other mountain ranges, and then of course now living in Hawaii and the mountains are all around us. Um, but, but the reality is this, a lot of us live with even bigger mountains than that inside of our heart and our life. Mountains that cloud our vision of God and, and obstruct our way to walk into his plan and purpose. And, and one of the biggest issues really as a believer in Christ is knowing who we are and understanding God's unconditional love for us. And, and so I want to talk to you this morning really about the heart of a son versus the heart of an orphan. And let me illustrate that for you. A close friend of my, my, a close friend of mine, missionary Joseph Gordon, um, it does a lot of missions trips trekking in the mountains of northern India. Am I okay on the floor? Um, and they literally did a missions trip and trekked to the highest inhabited village, the highest village where people live in the entire world. And they were doing evangelism all the way up and had it on their list of, of destinations. They said, we, we want to get there. We want to share the gospel. Get there. And there's, you know, just, a, I don't know, a little over 100 people maybe live in this village. Not a huge place. But as they were walking into the village, a little boy came running up to them and, and uh, didn't speak any English except for one word, chocolate. Chocolate, sir. Chocolate. Chocolate. And so he's asking for chocolates, and he, he didn't even know what a chocolate was. And this little boy had grown up in the mountains, and somebody told him, if you ever see an American, ask him for the chocolate, and they'll give you a piece, and it's the best thing in the world. And so he saw these white folks and up in the mountains, and there's not a whole lot up there. And, and so he goes running up chocolate, and you know their hearts melt, and they give him a chocolate. Well, his name was Bublu, and as they get into the village where they start talking, and they find out that um, he doesn't have a mom, doesn't have a dad. In fact, one of the local kind of shopkeepers had basically sort of bought him, uh, but he acted so bad and stole so much stuff that the dude was like, I'm not keeping him. We're going to throw him out. And so when Joseph and his team got there, they, they, the, the village said, if you don't take him, we're all going to kick him out and he's going to freeze to death. So please take him with you. And, and so in that trip, they, they realized, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to make sure have some sort of official documentation. So they called the village elders together, and, and they signed a piece of paper basically saying custody of, of Bublu was given over to Joseph Gordon. And this document was signed, and then they brought him down the mountain with them, took him back to their home in a place far, far away from there, and... 
and he became the first child in what became a children's home. And uh, as you can imagine, Bublu's background and, and uh, the neglect and the things that he faced, it, it had an impact, had a tremendous impact on him. A friend of mine uh, was, was sharing, he worked with a ministry called Project Rescue, and, and he made a statement, Project Rescue goes into the brothels of India and they rescue children and women out of sex trafficking. And, and, and he made the statement, he said, the rescue part is easy. It's the restoration that's difficult. Getting the, and, and I want to say that same thing applies with Bablu. The rescue part was easy. You walk to the top of the village, you get a piece of paper signed, you take him home with you. But it's the lifetime of teaching him that he has family when he didn't. That he matters when he didn't matter before. That, that he is valuable. And, and, and this morning, I want you to hear me because a lot of times as believers, you may have even grown up in a wonderful home. Um, and yet, we can all develop what, what I'm going to call an orphan spirit. A mentality in our heart, and, and, and instead of living in God's love and his blessing, we begin to live thinking that God doesn't really care for us, won't really meet our needs, doesn't have a good plan, and, and that we can't trust the people around us. And, 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 and so I want to compare for you this morning the life of a son versus an orphan. And of course, I use son broadly, a son, a daughter, a child of God. And, 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 and the reality is that at the cross of Christ, just like those village elders signed that document giving custody of that child to Joseph Gordon, through the blood of Jesus, custody over your life was signed at the cross if you believe in him and you now belong to the body of Christ. You're a part of whom Jesus is the head. And yet it's not just a matter of changing custody, but it's a matter of, of changing your perspective of yourself and how you live and who you are and helping you go from being an orphan to a son an orphan to a daughter. And I realize some of you are like, well, no, I didn't grow up in an orphanage. I have a mom, I have a dad, or maybe you came from a broken family. But the reality is this, we all, we all come from broken families, don't we? Anybody with me? It doesn't matter, your mom, dad, married for, for 100 generations. We're all broken. We all keep family in family and don't want to know what happens in family stays in family because uh, we all crazy and we know it. And, and so... Don't look at me like you're any better. Uh -uh, I know, I know. We had a ton of our family come over yesterday to, to see our kids and, and get to hang out. And it's been three years since we were home, so uh, it's, it's been good. So I want to dive into this, this concept of understanding the heart of a son versus the heart of an orphan. And I really believe that this is one of the most critical foundational teachings for believers. And it's something that I didn't hear for many years. And when I did hear it, it began to really completely transform my understanding and my relationship with the Lord. Um, let me give a disclaimer. Um, this information is not uh, new to me. If you're interested, you want more. There's so much more to dig into this. There's a guy named Jack Frost. 
guys, I'm so sorry. I, everybody said after 40, your eyesight gets bad. Um, I did not realize just how much it gets. So I've had glasses now for about two or three months, and I'm still trying to figure out how to preach with glasses on. And so like this, it's, it's a little bit brighter, but you're all fuzzy-headed. And, um, and so like this, I can see your faces, but it, the tones, anyway, I'm still getting used to preaching in glasses, getting old. It's terrible. I'm not as old as Cecil, but I'm getting old fast. And so... Uh, he brought me here just to make himself look skinny, by the way, so don't let him get away with that. He's not really skinny. He's just a little skinnier than me at this season of our lives, which is really new because he's always been the fat one. Anyway, um, so <laughs> let me talk to you about the heart of a son, the heart of a son. A son is secure. He's confident. A son feels at home, at peace, at rest because he has a father to protect, provide, and to bless him. A son has a home. It's a place where he belongs. It's a place where he can take off the suit, the tie, and run around in his t-shirt and his shorts or whatever else you run around in and, and, and not have to put on a farce. He has an inheritance Hear me, he has an inheritance, which means it's a future filled with blessings and hope. Something has been stored up for him. He doesn't have to fear that soon one day he's going to have nothing. Being missionaries in India, we, we traveled the country, saw a lot of things. And I, I'll be honest, if you're not careful over time, your heart can be, become calloused. And um, having traveled the nation and seen so many places, I got used to watching kids dig through trash. And it would grieve me, but I'd get used to it. But I remember one day seeing kids who were not digging through trash, they were digging through ashes. Now, at least with the trash, I thought, okay, you can get paper to recycle, maybe get some food. But ashes, I mean, what are you going to get out of the ashes? And I remember asking the restaurant owner, I, I said, what are they doing? I mean, what can they get out of the ashes? He said, their families are so poor here, there's nothing to cook with, and so they're looking for little pieces of unburned charcoal to take home to cook their family's food. Those are children living on the brink of starvation who have little hope for their future. That's a deep contrast to a son, a daughter that have a safe place that have a home. Uh, and a son has a purpose, a fulfilling reason for existing. He's a part of a household. He's a part of, of a community. He's a part. And so out of that comes his identity and his mission, his message, uh, who he is and what he does. Many times the father, the son, the daughter, they would carry on the trade of the father. So if the father was a carpenter, the son became a carpenter. Uh, if the father was a weaver, then the son became a weaver. And so that family life becomes a huge part of their mission. And so they belong there. And, and so as a result of these things, a son feels security. He feels safe because his dad's going to take care of him. He feels peace because he has a home to come back to. He, he, he feels hope because there's provision for his future. And he feels love because he's accepted for who he is. He's a part of the family. Now, if you, I want to compare that for just a moment to the heart of an orphan. An orphan has no father to protect him. And can I tell you, this can be a mean, dark world without protection. An orphan has no home 
where he feels safe and he can rest. And so there is a restlessness in his heart. He's always trying to find home. She's always trying to find home, a new relationship, a new job, a new possession, a new thing. And, and church, let me tell you, you may have grown up with a, with a great family, but we can all develop an orphan heart to the point that we live restless, driven, pursuing, discontent. And, and that's not the way God wants his children to live, but that is the way an orphan lives. An orphan can never have rest because he never feels safe. She never feels safe. They never feel at home. They, they don't have an inheritance or provision for the future. They, they don't trust God. They don't trust friends. They don't have a family. And so they're always scared. It's hopeless. It's bleak. They don't know what tomorrow holds. The future is scary instead of positive. And, 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 and they don't have a name. When I was born, I took my father's name, Jerry Germany. It's funny because uh, when I was in high school, just getting ready to go to college, I worked in the chemical plant with a contractor, and I'd go walking through the control room where all these guys were who had walked with my dad. They'd never seen me before in their life, but they looked at me and they said, you're Jerry's son, ain't you? you just, it's the ape walk, our, the Germany. We, we got the ape walk. We kind of walk like this, and, you know, <laughs> and probably a little bit of the nose. And, and, and so they look at the, you're Jerry's boy, ain't you? Yeah, but, but a son, a daughter, they carry their father's name. And poor Hudson, they, they carry a little bit of his personality. And <laughs> pray for Hudson. An orphan. So as a result, watch this. An orphan has to provide for himself. Can't trust anyone to care. Has to protect himself. So can't let anyone in. Has to search for safety and acceptance because there's no home. So they live on the search. And, and he has to make a name for himself, prove himself to be valuable, to show himself. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Computers, spent a lifetime trying to prove that he was valuable and make a name for himself after having been adopted and wondering and wrestling with the issues of why he was given up. That orphan's heart, and by the way, Steve Jobs was one of the most ruthless businessmen in the history of, of, of America. And I'm very impressed with this technology. Just wouldn't want him for a boss. Um, but an orphan is always trying to prove they're good enough. I shared this message at uh, one, one meeting, had some young people there, and a young man came up to me afterwards. He said, I, I have a mom, I have a dad, but my dad never really like, encouraged me, blessed me, and, 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 and my relationship was strained. He said, I've always just wanted my dad to, to be proud of me and to feel like I was enough, and, and I couldn't get it from my dad. He said, so I went and I tattooed worthy on my hand. He said, but now I understand that it's God that makes me worthy. And God began to chip away at that orphan heart. You see, all of us have this mountain inside of us of, of fear, of insecurity, and, and we've got to deal with this orphan heart and the way that it impacts us. And, and so because of this, an orphan fears trusting people. They think no one's been trustworthy. I can't trust anybody. Nobody cares about me. Nobody worries about me. Nobody wants what's best for me. So I'm not trusting anybody. My daughter and I, we, and I, we have a famous uh, Christian rapper. Is, I think he's Christian. Uh, if you haven't heard, NF, um, absolutely fabulous. Just dropped the album yesterday, The Search. And uh, I love this kid. I'm praying for him. I mean, he's, I don't know, he's like 28, 29 now, but... Can I tell you, if you listen to his music, you will hear the ultimate heart of an orphan expressed. 
um, fighting for himself, grew up in a family, his, his mom overdosed and he was taken out of custody, CPS, ends up with the grandparents, strained relationship with the father, an abusive step-boyfriend, and it's produced within him a heart, and then he shares these lyrics, and I'm not trusting anybody else, I'm proving myself, I'm worried that I'm not going to be good enough, I'm worried, and, and I, I, great music to listen to entertaining, just don't, just, just fight the fight with him if, if you do, but, but that orphan heart, it's there. Uh, an orphan fears rejection and abandonment and because they think no one will want them. The largest, uh, the largest private adoption service in America is a place a group called Arrow. And it was started by a young man who had been through multiple foster homes, aged out of the system. But, but he talked about how when he would go into these foster homes, he would go into these potential adoption families maybe, and, and he expected them to reject him. And, and, and it's so painful to get rejected that he, and, and he, he, think about this for just a minute, because at first I, I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But then I began to see in my own life, it does. I make fun of Cecil being fat so you won't notice that I am, you know? I mean, we, 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 we cover up our fears. Not Pastor Cecil's just husky. He, I, I'm the chubby one. But, but we cover up our fears, and we try to get people laughing. We try to control it. And when he would go into a family, rather than... Rather than waiting for them to reject him, he would begin to act out and create problems because he knew they would eventually reject him. So he wanted to know the reason why, that it was something he did, not who he was. And so he would go into every situation as an orphan trying to create problems so that when he got kicked out, he could say, this is the reason. And he could point to an attitude and activity, something he did, rather than it just being a hardcore rejection of who he was. And that's what an orphan does. They, every relationship they approach, every new job, new school, new occupation, new position, new community, new church, orphans are ultimate church hoppers. They can't stay anywhere long because they don't want anyone to really get to know them, and they're going to leave before maybe somebody gets honest with them and, and something begins to surface. The heart of an orphan, they have no provision for the future, so they're afraid, and they just don't want to open up their heart to love. So as a result, there's constant feelings of rejection and of independence. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. I'm going to do this on my own. Isolation, oppression. And, and I want you, as I started and I talked about an orphan, I, what most of us do is we check out, we're like, no, I wasn't an orphan. But I want you to stop and measure your own heart. How often do you act independently saying, oh, I don't need anyone? That's an orphan heart. Isolation, I'd rather just be alone. Now, there's introverts, that's one thing. Introverts need to recharge. But when you move into a lifestyle of, I don't want people, I don't need people, now you're moving into an orphan heart. Constantly judging and criticizing others. Why? I've got to prove you're bad to show that I'm good because this mountain of my heart has got to be climbed. Constant striving, competing, comparing, fighting to get what they want. An orphan, you don't want them on their team because the whole team is only about them. They can't work with others. They can't let anyone else have the attention. They can't let anyone else be successful because they're the only. Anybody ever know anybody like that? Wow, okay. Houston must be a better place than I thought. All right. I'm from here. I know you're lying. And um, anybody ever act like that? That orphan heart. Let's just do a heart check for a second. How many of you really show love to those around you? Because I, I, I know right now we're all saying, well, I'm not an orphan. So I want to ask you, check your heart. Do you walk in patience, gentleness, love with those around you? Or do you become impatient, not giving them grace? 
Do you value and embrace community or do you prefer to be independent? I don't need anyone. When you say, I don't need anyone, that is an orphan heart. Or when you say, she's not worth anything to me, he's not worth anything to me, that's an orphan heart because you have now reduced the value of that person to just their activity and not who they are. And a son is loved unconditionally and knows how to love unconditionally. I love you for who you are. I don't care what you do for me or don't do for me. Are you guys with me this morning? You're getting too quiet. I Just give me a little bit of grumbling or complaining or smiling or don't worry. Pastor Cecil's got a counselor. He'll be all right. He'll sort through my jokes later, okay? Do you value and embrace community? <laughs> it's terrible when I, when I preach for Pastor Cecil and Pastor Benito because they make so much fun of me all year long. I get in their pulpits. My one chance to make fun of them a little bit, and then everybody gets their feelings hurt for them. And... Uh, <laughs> Then I feel bad. I lose a double. They make fun of me all year. I make fun of them. Then I feel bad about making fun of them. So, Do you value and embrace community? If you, if you say, I don't need people, that's an orphan heart. Gentlemen, can I tell you, we're the worst. We need each other, but we don't want to admit we need each other. Somehow ladies are, are quicker and easier to create community and drama, but that's a different story. But, but guys, we, we don't want the community. We don't want to, I don't need no other guy. Yes, you do. Because we're a family. This is what the body of Christ is intended to be. You should be able to come here and be honest about who you are. And walking into this place, some of you right now, you're so uncomfortable. They don't really know, and I don't want anybody to know. And I don't, can I tell you, the church should be home. It should be safe. And I want to tell you, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you think about yourself or what you think we think about you, what I want you to know is we love you. Your heavenly Father loves you. We want to be your family, and we want you to be here. And if you mess up, that's okay. We do too. And we want you to be a part of this community. Now, here's the, here's the tough one. Do you value and embrace discipline? Be honest. Do, do, oh, scale of one to ten. Ten, yes, I love discipline. Give it to me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Straighten me out. With one, I don't care who you are, what you think, don't talk to me again. If you don't, the Bible says God disciplines the children that he loves. A father disciplines the son, the daughter, the child that he loves. A part of relationship is having someone who can speak into your life. A part of having the heart of a son of a daughter is trusting authority to speak frankly and transparently. But if you have the heart of an orphan, you can't. So let me just talk real quick. What do we do? How do we heal the orphan heart if we have one? Number one, we recognize that you are loved, valued, and blessed by God apart from anything you've ever said or done. It's agape. It's not about your performance. God doesn't love you because you're cute, not cute, smiling, happy, broad, ugly, weird, whatever you are. God loves you because he's a loving God. Somebody say amen. amen. Forgive parents and authorities that have hurt you. Can I tell you, you have messed up and so have those who are over you. And you will mess up and hurt those who are under you. And that's why family matters. That's why it's good to be a son and daughter and have brothers and sisters and honor spiritual mothers and fathers and ultimately Christ, our elder brother, our, our, our bridegroom, our Lord, and our, and our heavenly father. You see, in family, there's commitment even when there's mistakes. 
That's the way it's supposed to be. There's acceptance even when there's failures. And so healing the orphan art, submit, honor, support leaders instead of criticizing, judge, and opposing them. Can I tell you, if there was ever a message America needs to hear right now, regardless of whether or not the White House is red or blue, what we need to know is that the authorities over us are not perfect. They can't be perfect. And our biggest issues are coming out of our heart, not our political system. Recognize that you need other people and they need you and live life receiving God's love and God's and giving it to others. And let me close with this. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You want to know where this comes from? There's, there's, I got a ton of scripture. I just don't have time this morning to flesh it out. But, but let, me, let me break it down. Satan was the ultimate orphan. Left his place in heaven. Rejected his father. And tries to lead everyone else into isolation. Tries to convince us our father's not good. He doesn't want us. Jesus was the ultimate son. And all the way to the cross, he obeyed his father. Trusted his father. And there was difficulty. There was injustice. There was pain. But there was also a resurrection and salvation and triumph. And when you come to the cross of Christ with his own blood, Jesus writes, he, 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 he writes the, um, the papers for custody saying, now you belong to the Father. You're a part of the kingdom. And he begins a process not just of rescuing you, but of restoring. We uh, go to the next slide if you can. I think we've got a... If you can go to the one that shows the whole family, I think it's like the last one. Uh, 18 months ago, God moved us to Hawaii. We had no idea, no idea of why he was taking us there. No car, no job, no house, no income. And 18 months later, I mean, still don't have a real job. I, I ran out cars on Turo, and we're trying to survive with this. But we're like, God, six months after we got there, God sent us two baby girls, uh, foster children. Uh, you can see Anna. She's here right there. Her little sister, Sage, has the most amazing smile in the world. And the baby brother Malibu was born three months later. And I'm telling you, God's turned our world on end. I tell my, our bio daughters, it's so nice to finally have some cute kids. <laughs> just, and they know I'm joking. We have two gorgeous, uh, it, there's just no way we could do it. Mercy's on the end and our daughter Noelle's in the middle. Mercy's 15, Noelle's 13. And we 24-7... Can I tell you, there is no greater opportunity for discipleship in this world than the foster parent and to adopt. If you thought about it, so you know, you, you know what some people could, well, I don't want them to give me money. Fine, put the money in savings and save it for the kid's college if you don't need it. If you do, take it. I promise you, you get like 50 cents an hour. It doesn't matter. Remember Moses' mother, Pharaoh's daughter paid him to take care of him. It's not about the money issue. It's about the baby. It's about the child. It's about the one that gets loved and brought into a home they didn't have. When, uh, when the kids first got there, it was just these statements. We would pray for their parents every day, and little Anna took over the prayer time at our family. She wanted every prayer she gets to pray. She'd pray things like, God, please let my mom and dad get to have a, a cold, a good shower today and feel clean. My wife walked in with a bag of groceries and she's like, we have food. It's not just rescue, it's restoration. 
Malibu. He's about 10 months old now. <laughs> I wanted girls. If I had to pick, I would have picked girls. Going back, I wouldn't trade my girls. I had two girls and then got two more girls. And I have a wife and then my mother-in-law comes and bring our nieces. So it's like, I'm always horribly outnumbered. God finally gave me a little man. and I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> this little dude, there's mama's boys, daddy's girls. He's a daddy's boy. If I walk in the room, he wants to be in my arms. From the day he was two, three days old and they gave him to us. He was born at three pounds, four ounces. And uh, you got that hospital picture, three pounds, four ounces and six weeks premature, itty, itty bitty. But you have to do skin to skin. They need to feel human contact early on. And so we'd go and just lay him on our chest and just pray over him, sing. Can I tell you, but it, it, it's not just then, it's now, it's a lifetime. And this little baby's so cute, but you know, he does this thing. It, it's called messing up his diaper. It's nasty. I'm not going to give you any details. I'll let your imagination, but it's nasty. It's messy. But you know what? <laughs> I don't throw him out with the diaper. I clean the diaper. I'm bathing. I don't know, somehow it's just a man thing. But I, I didn't bathe the other kids as much, but this one's mine. So I'd take, take the little man, we'd go bathe him in the sink and wash him up and put a fresh diaper, fresh clothes. And I kiss him. And I hug him. Because I love him. And I want you to hear me this morning. Your heavenly father didn't just save you to throw you out because you were going to mess your diaper. He knew you would mess your diaper before he ever died on the cross. He knew you would mess your diaper before you were even born. And he loves you enough to change your diaper till you can change it yourself and to walk you through the process, not just of rescue, but of restoration. And this is what it means to have the heart of a son, to understand you won't be thrown away, you won't be rejected, you won't be cast out, because the Bible says anyone who calls on him him, he will embrace them, welcome them, receive them. He wants you. We want you. This place is safe. You are welcome here. Welcome home. And my prayer this morning is two things, because the reality is every one of us believers have got to tackle this mountain of an orphan heart, because we've been so affected by the nasty Satan devil that's been trying to turn us into orphans when we were really children. But it starts with a commitment. Head bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed for one minute. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ, the Father wants you to come home. And I'm simply here to tell you, we're not perfect. We're a mess. God's still changing our diapers, so it's okay if yours is dirty too. But we want you to be a part of our family. We want you to be a part of our community. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to help you, and we need your help we need to grow and we need to reach others you need to grow you're welcome here and if you walked in this place you so you know what right now I think I'm, I'm actually custody of the devil and not of Jesus I've been living for the world and not living for God I've been walking the wrong way then this morning your heavenly father is calling you home heads bowed eyes closed if that's you would you just slip up a hand right now and say yep that's me I'm ready to come home I'm not going to ask you to stand I'm not going to ask you to come to the front all I'm going to ask you to do is just raise your hand I'm going to pray for you but if you're here and you say yep that's me I, I, I'm an orphan 
I, I, I'm, I'm living the wrong way, and today I want to come home. I just want you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray a prayer together, and when we pray this prayer, Jesus is going to sign the document to transfer your custody from the devil to the Father, from the world to the kingdom, and you're going to officially become a part of the craziest family you've ever imagined. Us, it's great. We, we love you, we want you, but it takes, a, first of all, a commitment, a decision on yourself to say, you know what, I don't want to live this way. I want to come home. Anybody else, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now, high in, in, high in the air so I can see on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you just put that hand up so I can pray with you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning right now, just raise that hand and say, yep, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm going to invite everybody in this room right now to pray with me. Let's just all pray together and say, Jesus, I'm a mess. My diaper's dirty. My heart is sinful. And I'm afraid you won't want me but your word says you love me you care for me you want me you welcome me home so Jesus here I am I give you everything forgive me save me I give my heart to you I will follow you I love you Jesus I love you Jesus recommend to you Jack Frost's book From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. It's on Amazon. There's another book called Experiencing Father's Embrace. Read it second. These books dive deep into this topic of how to be healed of an orphan heart, understanding what it is and how to come home to the Father. LifePoint Fellowship, this is home. This is safe. Your Father's good. And we're a crazy family, but we love you. Yesterday, Anna, she's four. You'll get to see her in a few minutes. You won't sneak back to the coffee shop. Most gorgeous little girl you've ever seen in your life. Our family just kept coming in waves all day long. And she's like, more family? Even more family? I mean, we probably had like 40-something people come in groups of two and three. Even more family. And every time somebody came, she got a new play partner and, uh, and somebody else to give her food. <laughs> Little sage, didn't even ask questions, didn't know family. She just said, more, more, apple, and everybody just kept feeding her. Guess what? This is family. We're a mess, but we love you, and we want to do life with you, and we want to spread his life with you to the world. Would you make this home, and would you dig deep into God's love with us so we can all overcome that orphan heart and become the sons and daughters? He died to make us. He loves you. We love you. Thank you for opening your heart to the word this morning.